I did her. Hey, if you're thinking about moving to Boston, Massachusetts, you are in luck. I've got Catherine Cranenberg right here beside me. I told her I was going to say her uh, her name, like, Cranenberg. Uh, can you say it kind of like that? Catherine Cranenberg. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dutch. <laughs> Dutch. All right. Awesome. We've got her right beside me. She's up there in Boston, Massachusetts. We're gonna, She's going to tell us all about the place where she is. Uh, this is Want to Move There, the show dedicated to all humans, giving them the information they need to w move somewhere else out of their area or to decide whether they want to move somewhere else. Uh, or if you just want to visit that place, take a vacation, uh, sightsee, whatever. Uh, realtors are always the best tour guides whenever you go somewhere. We know all the best places, um, especially people that were born and raised there. Like me, I am your host, Derek Bixler, realtor of 15 years right here in Central PA. I grew up on the hill, as we call it, here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Went to Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Why can't I say this? Mechanicsburg High School in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Go Wildcats. And I went up to Penn College of Technology in, you guessed it, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Uh, if you need to buy or sell a home, please contact me. You can call me, text me, email me, throw a rock through my window, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. We still need inventory pretty badly right now. In uh, It's the last day of January in 2022. We still need inventory pretty badly. And we'll talk about that a little bit with Catherine in a minute. And whether you are watching live or on a replay, ask a question in the comments. Or if you know one of us, hit us up in the comments and tell us where you are watching from. And a reminder that all the replays are on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Spotify, Google Play, where where else, Catherine? Um, you can buy cat too, right? That's too long yeah, for me to cat, say every time. Cat right? cat. Yeah, so <laughs> I, like I think cat. we covered most of them, right? I yeah, think yeah. So is, uh, the the TV stations. <laughs> there you go. Well, you can get the YouTube on your on your Apple TV or whatever, so yeah. you can still watch it on your TV. So wherever you like to get your content, this episode and all the other ones with all the awesome uh, real estate professionals from around the globe, actually Nigeria, uh, Portugal, Canada, uh, working on some other countries and things. So wherever you need a professional, we can hook you up with one and all the content will be sitting there waiting for you. And now I will shut up and without further ado, let's bring in Catherine Kat Cranenberg, realtor up in Boston, Massachusetts. Up from here, maybe where you're watching, it's over or down or something. But for me here in central Pennsylvania, it's up. So I will shut up as promised. Um, and I'd like you to tell us, well, say hi again, and then tell us the last movie that you watched while I bring up your bio information. Oh, that's exciting. So yes, Catherine Cranenberg here in the Boston area. I'm really excited to be here, Derek. And um, Let's see. So the last movie was actually on Netflix. It's called The Power of the Dog. I'm pretty sure it's going to win an Academy Award or definitely be nominated. Um, I'm going to space on the on the main character. He's from Britain. And uh, it's a really interesting film. If you're thinking about what it's like to be a cowboy and live on the range, it has that sort of motif. Ooh, I like that. I wasn't thinking that at all. I like I like that you uh, described it a little bit. So it's it's a drama. It is a drama. Um, it has lots of twists and turns and super. Uh, it it can be slow. So it's one of those things. It just um, it's very thoughtful. And it says uh, here on Wikipedia, Western psychological drama film. Psychological. So you may, I guess you have to think a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. But it is on it's Netflix. Yeah. Do you watch a lot of drama? I haven't seen it pop up in my Netflix that usually they're throwing things at me to watch. Um, I must not watch whatever drama um, or whatever uh, genre watch, it's in too much. Yeah, I tend to watch series, um, not really so much uh, movies, but when you're, I love Academy Awards. So I make it an effort to see as many as I can. So when the big day comes, I can relate to it. And I'm a, I, I love movies, so. 
There you go. That's pretty awesome. Are you a good uh, movie quote, quotist, quoter? Oh, oh my gosh. Life I've got a couple like friends life. from high school where we like, like dodgeball. A lot of comedy movies will throw out all quotes right. from comedy movies at each other all the time. Or even like Total Recall, a lot of 80s, 90s movies. Oh, yeah. Total 80s, 90s girl, for sure. And matter of fact, I just uh, played um, uh, Pretty in Pink with my daughter the other day. And she was like, Mom, everything is so dramatized. It's not that complicated. <laughs> So did it, it did it hold up? Did you like it as much as you did um, back then? Well, Molly Ringwald is classic, right? I mean, and uh, Spader, the fact that he's still on TV right now, it's incredible. So, huh? He was in that, huh? Yeah. Nice. She's still alive, right? Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty old now, I would guess, though. Um, well, all right. All. So <laughs> when you were younger watching Pretty in Pink, uh, you grew up where you were born in Jacksonville, Florida, and then you were raised in Houston. Um, and you went to uh, Cypress, Texas, large suburban high school of Houston. So anybody out there in Houston watching, we got Armando, who else we got, uh, Don out there in Katy, Texas, all those people know Houston is, uh, who else? Levi. No, he's Dallas, Texas though. So Cypress, Texas, what were, uh, what was the mascot for Cypress? Uh, so the school is Cypher High School and we are the Bobcats. And uh, we were lucky enough that the principal who had been there for, I don't even know, probably 30 or 40 years had retired, I think the second, my sophomore year or my 10th grade. Uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, we were very blessed and he was such a, a huge, powerful and um, very community minded principal and he loved the school. Huh. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Cypress. A lot is of a times little... I couldn't even tell you, I'd have to think about it for a while to even tell you who our principal was. Mr. Watkins. And if anybody <laughs> who's here in Cypress, Texas, everybody knows who he is. Nice. And you did, what'd you say? The Bobcats. So cat, another cat school. I found that like 90% of uh, mascots seem to be some sort of cat. <laughs> Yeah. We were the Wildcats. We had Harrisburg. We got the Panthers. We got the Cougars. We got a whole bunch of cats, Wildcats. And all those are all the same cat. They're all mountain lions. Uh, so I find it kind of interesting that there can't be any. Uh... Although Boiling Springs, where I live now, we're called the Bubblers because there's a spring that bubbles up. And it's probably the, the least aggressive uh, mascot you could have, but at least it's different a little bit. Um, and then after high school, you went to Texas A&M for college. You went for business and political science. Your favorite color, colors are red and bright pink. I'm glad you didn't say blue because 90% of people say blue. And I'm now to the point where if you say blue, I ask you for your second favorite. So uh, if you had to pick between red and bright pink, which would you go with? Red. Okay. Yeah. And your favorite food is barbacola and good Mexican food. Is barbacola some type of Mexican food? Um, it's, it's a form of Mexican food, but uh, it's basically where you slow cook um, like a, a steak and um, it in like the slow cooker for several, several hours. And it just kind of like comes off the bone and uh, it's like a shredded meat. And then it, all the different sides. It's not like your typical sour cream and things like that. It's more like um, red onions that's in vinegar for a long time and um, special like really green sauces and things like that. So we did a lot of cooking over COVID and this became our go-to staple. And the meat could be any kind of meat or whatever, or is there um, a certain kind of meat you usually use? That's my husband's question. 
<laughs> I'm the He's side. The, uh, the master of the, what yeah. is it a crock pot or what? Yeah, it's like, a, exactly. Nice. It I sounds know. fantastic. I don't even meet much, but if I do, it's got to be some really good meat, slow yeah, cooked or, or yeah. and like caught down the street, raised down the street. <laughs> I guess it could be hunted down the street from me as well. But yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, and then you put that, what'd you say? You put that like in a taco shell or you eat it like well, open uh, face or what corn, do you do? Mostly uh, soft corn tortillas is what we typically use. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And then you do have pets. What kind of pets do you have? Dog person, cat person? Yes, we're a dog. And uh, prior to COVID, we uh, had tossed around the idea, but then we got the bug and uh, got a, um, a lab from a breeder in Mississippi. And I would love to give a shout out to him. It was super incredible because uh, as you know, during COVID, dogs uh, were on back order, if you want to call it that. There was like so many people who were waiting for dogs for six months. I think that was kind of our, our time frame as well. So his name is Ollie and he's a, a pure lab and he's a champagne color. So he's pretty special. And he's over yeah, here. I've heard of yellow and black and brown. So champagne is different from the yellow, a little bit more pale kind of. Yeah. And kind of like a, definitely more of a beigey kind of, yeah. We get a and lot you of- you have to seek out that color or you just happen to, that's the color you came upon? Um, well, he specializes in champagne and uh, silver labs. So, yeah. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah, labs are awesome. I used to have a black lab. Um, we haven't had a, a dog for a few years now because uh, he died when my daughter was younger. And now we got the three kids to take care of. So I'm good. I'm good on the pets for now. Uh, but labs are awesome dogs. How old is the lab, did you say? You a just got him. Year and a half, yeah. Did you teach him to do anything? Oh, um yes every every command you could possibly think of and and food is a um a major component he's super motivated by that so it was he wants not that barbacola <sighs> uh, not quite but yeah <laughs> that's pretty fancy i know people that do they pretty much get the same meal that the family gets at the same time a little bit of nuts if if you ask me but um I come from a, a long line of farm type people who like my dad was like, we didn't even take our dogs to the vet. They lived out on the farm, they lived and then they died. And that's what happened. We were putting them in purses or feeding them uh, gourmet food or giving them sweaters or any of that kind of stuff. Um, doesn't mean they didn't love them, just means they didn't treat them quite the same way. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure you love your other your other pets, uh, <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say. Uh, your other kids, you have three kids, two kids. Uh, three lines of that you wrote here, but two kids, a girl who's 14 and a boy who's 12. Uh, they're both in middle school. Was that sixth yeah. and eighth grade? Correct. And do they like school? Uh, they love school. They are super involved in uh, a variety of sports and activities. And uh, one, well, one is super into reading and the other one isn't. Uh, but you can guess uh, what that who they are. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. Newton is where I live. It's right outside Boston. And a lot of people move here for schools. So um, really top notch schools. So it was kind of a no brainer when we moved here from, you know, four or five years ago from Washington, D.C. Um, so a lot of people move here for schools. It's a great experience. And I can relate to the not wanting to read, obviously. I'm guessing the boy is the one that doesn't like to yeah. read. Is that a thing that boys generally don't like reading? 
I just think um, our son is, he's very, he's an active kid. So he just likes to move around and he's incredible at math and science. Like that's for him, that's like a no brainer. And uh, so sitting and reading is definitely not his favorite. I'm with him on that. I got one wrong on the math portion of my SATs and the English part of it. I didn't even read. I literally did the B, C, B, A, C thing because I yeah, yeah. hated, hated reading. And I still got like a 1200 or something, which is crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm with him on that one. So does he, for school, is he is it hard to get him to do like homework and stuff? I remember like the history homework was the worst because that was the one you had to read a lot to get the answers because math, you just, you know how to do it and you do it, which is probably why um writing writing english papers i think is the biggest one yeah yeah or i would read or you read a page and you have no idea what the heck you just read and then i'm done with it i can't i read this page five times i still can't keep my attention on it i'm done with it uh the cliff notes or not the cliff note well actual cliff notes but the thing on the back of the cover i would read a lot i mm -hmm. came up with tricks to read the novels that we were supposed to read without actually reading them reading the first and last sentence of each paragraph i found was pretty good because you got the gist or uh yeah all kinds of tricks like that i came up with to get by luckily there's audible now so your son can still get all the knowledge right. without having to actually read it um, and you are married to roger how's roger doing Roger's great. Um, he was one of the reasons why, or the main reason why we moved out of DC to Boston. And uh, he is doing some pretty amazing things in his field. And, um, you know, I think we all want to make a difference in our lives and those around us and in our jobs as realtors. And I would say he's definitely, uh, he's definitely found that. Is he also a realtor? No. No, he's not a realtor. Um, he's super supportive of my business, but how he's making a difference is really um, environmentally. So um, Boston attracts and has a, a, a lot of environmental interest and groups. So okay. I guess we're going right in. Yeah. Yeah, I feel on that. I'm a little bit of a tree hugger myself. Um, I've been known to keep disposable cups like this me and there's one other guy at my firm he's one of the original partners like 80 he'll we both keep like an old cup written on it do not throw away people think it's trash now nah, i'm using that one again and again and again until it deteriorates and then i'll throw it away so yeah, i'm with you on that one is, uh, renewable energy so um it's it's very interesting and dynamic so yeah yeah good field to be in right now i would think Yes, and um, just, uh, we have snow blizzards here in Boston, as we just had. And so uh, definitely helping those that may have not had power and things like that. It's just really, yeah, he very hands-on. Huh. Yeah, that's awesome. I should do an episode. I want to hear more about what he does. <laughs> Start a, uh, or you should do an episode with him and tell what you're doing there in Boston. That would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then your hobbies when you, or maybe you do some of these hobbies with Roger or the kids. Uh, you like to go to the gym. I think that's alone, right? Uh, the dog walks, um, that could be with the family. Nature walks could also be with the family. And then you're a foodie. Uh, let's start with the gym. You go pretty early. Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. So um, my goal so far this year uh, is I used to start at six o'clock last year and now I've uh, like pushed it back more or pushed it up more. I wish you would have won. And now I strive for 530, which is not that big of a difference. But when you're waking up at 515 versus 545, that 30 minutes really does change things. Um, 
And I started really focusing on the gym uh, last year. I had a big birthday, a big milestone, and I wanted to be mentally and emotionally, physically stronger. It wasn't so much like um, a goal of like weight loss. It was just more of like a mindset. And as, as we all know from Atomic Habits, like just little routine changes that build up over time. So gym has become my favorite thing. And I do anything from a variety of classes and Stairmasters. So, um, but it wasn't an overnight thing. It took a long time, but I've been really excited about it. So, yep, gym is important. And the kids, they're 12 and 14, so they're pretty self-sufficient in getting up and getting to school. Because that's what I'm thinking right away. I couldn't leave in the morning when I do have the kids. It's all it's all them until like 7.30, 8 or something, which then led me to get be getting up at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock. So I could do that whole thing and then be done by 6 a.m. when they get up. So are they pretty self-sufficient? Very self-sufficient, but I'm, I'm usually waking them up when I come home at like 6.15. So... Um, Actually, they don't miss me. Neither does the dog. It's a great time. I come back and everyone's awake. You're pretty close to the gym then. Uh, less than eight minutes. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Got to live close to the stuff. I don't. I don't know, people, I know why I know. people put up with commuting or driving long distances. Although I kind of do it to my house right now. But um, yeah. I'd rather live close to the stuff than own the stuff is always what I say. I'd rather live close to a national park or a, a park or a basketball court or something and just go use it rather than putting in my own basketball hoop that I got to take care of in my backyard. Uh, so let's bring up our Boston map. Well, actually, tell us after college what you did and then how you got into real estate. And then we'll start talking about Boston. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. So being from the great state of Texas, uh, I went to Texas A&M which is home of Aggieland and Aggies. So um, what is an Aggie? I never I knew. <laughs> so um, an Aggie uh, usually represents um, more of like a, a way of life and um, very community driven. Uh, they have um, a, a strong uh, core of cadets. And so a lot of people will go uh, there to train and to build. It's like building strong character. And uh, they have a dog as the mascot. His name is it's, a, it's called Reveille. And so for me, Aggies are just all about like a lifestyle and a movement, positive thinking. And there's a ton of traditions. You actually get a booklet when you uh, decide to attend there and it's really of all the traditions and it's so deeply rooted for you know many years back so it's really interesting so um a is in college station and the whole town is really the university so yeah it's like state college here at penn state it's pretty it's drive an hour and a half into nowhere, but it's State College and then it is, it's its own town and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm sure during COVID, it was completely dead up there when everybody <laughs> went home and wasn't on campus and everything. Um, so did you say Reveille? Like the song, like the, isn't that the trumpet uh, thing in uh, military? Yes. And yes. that's the dog, the mascot's name is Reveille. Yes, yes. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's all these traditions about, um, and it, so for example, we're in football season, right? So uh, you stand the whole time for football games. The only time you sit down is when the uh, visitors are playing, um, you, you know, the band on the field. Otherwise, you you stand up the whole time. Oh God, 
I'd be, <laughs> I wouldn't be going to games very oh. at least not at this age. Maybe when I was younger, sure. Now, no way. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's just really in in depth uh, traditions. And I had um, a mentor, and that led me to uh, spending and heading over and doing study abroad, which then led me to. Um, after college, I did a, a work abroad, which brought me to London. And then I ended up staying for over seven years, uh, visited and lived in Holland and uh, Florence, Italy. And I did a lot of work and I met a lot of interesting people. So when I came back to the States and moved to DC, um, culture and international relationships have been super important to me, which led me also to my real estate and you can imagine in D.C., there's a lot of uh, people moving back and forth culturally and with the embassies and that sort of thing. And that's a huge draw here in Boston. If I want to go straight into real estate there, I would say um, this is a very international city. Um, and it, I would say it's still a growing place to, to come to. Uh, we're not quite L.A., but. Um, but we're there, you know, we're, we're pretty much there. Nor should you want to be necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But um, the cost of living is, is, is still growing. We're still inexpensive compared to New York and LA and Chicago. But um, so, yeah, it's a huge attraction for international. Obviously, the universities here is a big one. And what led me to real estate uh, in the beginning was just knowing that, uh, my husband and I wanted to grow a family. Uh, we wanted a flexible option uh, to also, you know, be a mom and and to work as well. And just meeting and seeing all these amazing houses, of course, that's always a that's always a, a huge force. Uh, and really, I would say just helping people. Uh, it just seemed like uh, the the most I guess, um, comfortable place to go. Yeah. The freedom and the, uh, service to others seem to be the two biggest things. Um, and the, the money's pretty good, but people think we just, like you said, show pretty houses, but there's a lot more to it. I remember I had a friend, I was showing him houses and he would just hit me up. Let's look at this house. And after a while I started realizing that he wasn't even running it past his wife at all to go look at these houses. Um, and then I was like, look, is she on board to look at these? Houses? He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought all you did was just look at houses all day. I was like, dude, oh my goodness. all right, let's, I bet best explained and then he learned once we got under contract that was the deal from heck and uh it fell apart it needed a new route blah 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 and then he kind of learned oh it's that's not just what you do is look at pretty houses all day so um i like that and my question on your last name so cronenberg uh or however you want to say it that's dutch you said which would be holland and you were in holland so is that your maiden name or is this the did you meet roger over there or how where the name so, come from? Yeah, so Kreidenberg is Dutch. Um, my husband's actually from Guyana. Um, and yeah, so his family is Kreidenberg. And um, he's a mix of uh, Guyanese. Uh, his mom is Chinese. And uh, he has Dutch heritage as well. So the Kreidenberg comes from that. And it was interesting because we didn't meet there. We met in D.C. And we found out that we grew up 30 minutes away from each other in Texas. We both lived and worked abroad, um, me mostly in Holland, him in Germany. And uh, we both lived in Italy, him in Milan, me in Florence. And so when we met, it was sort of like, well, wait a minute, is there some sort of 
like there was definitely a lot of synergy, right? And his mom would always say, okay, I think you guys knew each other in a past life, which, you know, was always nice. But um, so when we got married and my friends came over from Holland, they were like, you finally married a Dutch person. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And it makes sense. Dutch people are pretty into uh, environmental stuff, right? Aren't they? They're like the most progressive, right? Yes, yes. It's amazing. They're negative. They're carbon carbon neutral or negative. Their whole country, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very yeah. Impressive. That's cool. Yeah. I'd like to visit sometime. Or I feel like if I, if I go over there, I got to stay for a long time so I can see a bunch of places rather than going back and forth for a bunch of years. So I feel like I got to spend a month. Yeah. Or, and then it puts it into this category of cost that I don't want to do. So I just need to go somewhere. Start with Iceland. That's pretty cheap and easy to get to, I hear, as far yeah. as going yeah. Have it over been. there somewhere. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about, now you're a realtor up there in Boston, and I'm going to bring up my map, if I can find. There we go. Bring up the map for all the people watching all over the world. Uh, my little Google globe, so everybody can see where it is, and you can see the pin here is on the east, northeastern, about as far northeast as you can go other than what do you got vermont and maine above massachusetts that's about it and uh, new hampshire yes. mm -hmm. so on the east coast and it is actually on the water and i'm just going to qu quickly read the quick facts here on google and they pull it from wikipedia um, and per Google right now, it's sunny and 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and we're about the same temperature, maybe a couple degrees warmer. That's a balmy, that's a balmy winter right there. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> today's, well, this week was supposed to be a little bit, last week it was super cold, this week it's supposed to be a little bit warmer than usual. Is it the same up there? Are we getting the same kind of swings? Uh, yeah, it was eight degrees this morning, now it's 20. Yeah. <laughs> and then the quick facts per Wikipedia, uh, Boston, officially the city of Boston. I don't know why they add that. Of course, it's right. the city of Boston. Boston, officially the city of Boston is the capital and most populous city of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in the United States and is the 24th most populous city in the country. The city proper covers 48 square miles with a population of 675,647 people in 2020, uh, also making it the most populous city in New England. And what does New England consist of? Is that like Connecticut? on up yeah so Connecticut New Hampshire Vermont Maine yeah not New York I think New York is its own state country and city so I don't know if I would put that but yeah. <laughs> it's its own everything yeah <laughs> That's funny. And to put it in perspective for 675,000, that's a lot. And around here, Harrisburg is like 50 or 60,000. So you're hundreds and hundreds bigger than us. Uh, so it is a really, really big city. Um, and now I'll take my map down and we can talk about the what it looks like there. So you are north and you've got all the trees, um, probably the same trees, oak trees, pine trees, uh, kind of the same stuff we have here. Is it also mountainous, hilly up there? Yeah, so um, I am in Newton, which is right outside, less than 10 miles outside Boston. And so this is considered what the greater Boston area, Metro West is really what it's called. And yes, we, a lot of people, again, move to Newton because it's super green. There's lots of trails, uh, biking paths, walking paths. Um, I feel like everyone here actually owns a dog or I meet so many people dog walking now that I have one, I guess. 
And yes, um, mountains, definitely within two hours or less, you can go to New Hampshire, you can go to Vermont. I think, you know, being in a, in a state that has four seasons, uh, people stay active uh, a lot. And a lot of people would think, oh, it's got really harsh winters, long winters, but people uh, own houses. These are definitely second home markets, Vermont, Maine, and uh, New Hampshire. People will leave on a Friday. They don't come back on Sunday. Their kids are in, you know, ski clubs and that sort of thing. So it's definitely a lifestyle here for sure. And then if you want to, if you're into beach and you want to live near the water, that's like an hour and a half, two hours, definitely on the Cape, which is another great second home market. They went through the roof this past year. And um, again, you can go for a day, you can go for a few hours, you can go for the whole weekend, um, go for the summer. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's really, uh, you know, geographically, this area is amazing. And of course, you've got the city of Boston, they have over 32 neighborhoods you can choose from. <laughs> so and all very unique. And so it is, it's right on the coast there on the water. So is the city proper and the immediate area pretty flat, but then it doesn't take, obviously the Appalachian Trail runs the whole way up into Maine and past you, um, maybe not directly past Boston, but is up there. So there are obviously mountains and things. Is the city proper kind of flat? And then you got to drive inland a little bit to get into any mountains and hiking and that kind of thing? Yes, exactly. So um, there is a huge area called Seaport. And obviously, as you can tell, uh, it's on the water. Uh, that's been a huge area of growth for new development as well. And uh, it, yes, Boston in, in general is all flat. And you would say, so Boston proper, I guess you could say it's Seaport, South End, Financial District, um, Southie. Yeah. Southie. It's, it's We've heard that in the movies. That's probably the only uh, section like the Bronx is kind of would it equate to like the Bronx and Brooklyn and all these boroughs of of New York yes. City kind of yeah. like that it's also like a huge fast growing area really interesting cafes and restaurants um uh I can't remember right now off the top of my head but um I think there's actually an Instagram called caught in Southie which um it focuses all about like the businesses and what's interesting there, history. So they're, they're a really good one. I'm just going to do a plug in for them because I think it's super fun. <laughs> nice. And then Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are from Boston, right? Is that, yes. That's how I know the term Southie probably. Yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Is he Boston? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So he has, do like, they still walk up, live up there? Um, I don't know if they're here full time to be honest. Um, but I feel like he, the burger place is in yeah, Boston or something, yeah. right? He has a variety of ones. And they're actually in the Logan Airport, Boston Logan Airport. He has one there too. And uh, what's interesting, fun fact about Newton is John Krasinski lives here. and he, Jim know, from the office, for those that don't know. Exactly. And he started some good news during COVID and just sharing um, positive stories all around. He did special graduations for people that couldn't graduate physically, you know, in person. And he, he's amazing. So yeah, he's he got great. ripped too. He was, he's not Jim from the office anymore. He, his new show, well, he did that movie where he got really big and kind of cut up. That was a military movie. And then he's still his show right now, if it's still going is he's some kind of spy or something, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And then the weather, you have touched on it that it's pretty cold. And I saw on your Instagram, was that yours or somebody else's? Um, somebody posted about a foot of snow or something that you just got. So how much did you just get? And then tell us in general, do you get a lot of snow? So the answer to that is a little bit complex, but yes, we, we tend to get a lot of snow and um, this year has been really mild compared to other years. Uh, the first year we moved here, we used to tell the kids, they don't cancel school here for a few inches uh, or even nine inches. Right. And the first week we lived here was negative 10 degrees and um, there was a massive storm and they canceled school like the first two days of the year. So it was really funny. We were like, no, no, they never do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you do get uh, sports of uh, snow. We even had snow once on Halloween, uh, which was a little interesting. I think even the locals thought it was a bit odd. So um, yeah, so this past weekend was a snow blizzard and I think they called it the, the snow bomb, I think is how it was labeled. And we had like 20 inches, 20 inches in like 24 hours. So there was definitely a lot of shoveling. The great thing of loving about living in New England, among many things, is if you have a huge snowstorm, they plow the streets literally overnight, especially in Newton, which is where I'm at. And you can go to work the next day. You can move around. And they make that really like, I think people expect that. And it's it's amazing how how quickly they do that. So in terms of weather, that's kind of winter. It's probably the longest winter um, I've ever lived in, in terms of a city that I've lived in. And that can easily go to May, definitely April. So by March, people are ready to take their spring breaks in really warm climates. The summers in New England are the best. And that's usually from the middle of June till almost like really the end of September. Everyone tends to go to the Cape, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket. Again, really great second home markets. And we can talk about that if you'd like to touch on that. And then, of course, the mountains. So mountains during the summer, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, beautiful, uh, big hikes, mountains. You can also ski in. And it's just it's very I feel like this is. I feel like it's an underrated four seasons destination, but it really is a destination and uh, you really do get the four seasons. So, and spring is like maybe two weeks. So you could have azaleas out and there could be snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. We used to, uh, until I, until I quit skiing, which was, I don't know, three years ago, I used to, we would go to Vermont and in high school, we always went to Vermont and took a trip at least once a year. And I think we always went in like April or something, which I always thought, why are we, isn't it over up there here? The, the mountain closed like two months ago and we're right, still right. up there skiing. So it's pretty nice. And it was starting to get slightly warm. Still would have been better to go a little bit earlier in the year, I think. Um, but whatever. Um, all right. So what about, so you get all this snow 20 inches or so you said, and cities have these old, sometimes one way single lane streets, like in our in Harrisburg, even with, you know, we're ready for it. We got the plows, we got the salt. They're starting the night before they're doing all these things, but even those little roads, sometimes there's secondary roads that don't get done for a few days, or even a bunch of snows ends up pushing big packs of snow and the roads, even if they're plowing, it gets smaller and smaller. There's an ice sheet that never kind of goes away, icier and icier. So with all the snow downtown, does it get kind of, are there certain roads that kind of suck or is it hard for people that oh, live downtown sure. to get their parallel park, 
cars out. Or I've also heard like some cities, I don't think we ever do it in Harrisburg, but some cities will plow it and then also pick it up, put it in dump trucks and get it off of the street completely. Uh, So how do you, how does it, how is it there? They actually put, um, the city puts on uh, restrictions for having your car on the street. So uh, many times you have to move it. Uh, there's definitely side streets that don't get hit for a couple of days. I agree with you there. Um, there was an emergency ambulance that actually had to get pushed by people in order to uh, get it from un- being unstuck in the snow. So, but again, snow doesn't really stop people here. It, for them, it's just like a natural thing. Uh, they still stand outside and people go to restaurants and that sort of thing. I mean, in Newton, we kind of hunkered down a little bit more and everything was pretty much you know, closed and in lockdown. So it's a great excuse to spend time with family and um, to catch up on, on your real estate conversations. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I always used to love snow days and we don't really have them anymore because even if it does get canceled, they got to go to Zoom class. So it's never a snow day. Um, so a little bit sad, a little bit, but um, yeah, I love snows and making ice cream with the snow and all the stuff that comes along with it. Uh, so moving the cars, where do you move your car to? What if you don't have a garage or a driveway or what do, what do you do? You know, um, I think you just, I think you just move it into other areas that have bigger parking lots. I'm, I don't really know exactly. I think a lot of people just um, either keep it there and get fined. Who knows? I think that's what I did when I lived in the city or it was the street cleaning days. I'd always oh, forget. I was just, yeah. well, I think every month I just pay, I, I pay a, a $40 bill every month to, to miss it and oh, get yeah. my you fine every month. You have a uh, parking budget here. You just accept that you're going to get tickets. And so you just make that part of your monthly budget. Yeah. So, part of living yeah. in a city and you get good at parallel parking. I'm the best parallel. I, I guarantee I can beat anybody. Anybody out there you want to challenge me, I'll crush you in parallel parking. I learned a lot uh, about that in Europe. I'll tell you that you definitely had to parallel park and be really good at it because the spaces were super small. So yeah, I'll challenge nice. you. <laughs> Let's do it. And I'll even do it with a minivan, uh, not a uh, little compact okay, car. Um, so what's the, we talked about driving a little bit in the commute. So if you're in the city and it snows a lot, you might have to wait till they get the plowed out and you might have to shovel out or whatever. Um, but commuting in general, do people that work in the city, do most people, well, number one question, I guess, is do people work in the city mostly and you're mostly coming from say Newton into the city every morning or what's the commuting structure like, are people, it's mostly the outskirts moving into the city or what is it? I think um, most people prefer to take public transportation. And so you do have trains that go directly into South Station from the suburbs where we are. So Wellesley, Newton will definitely do that. Um, There is good, uh, there is really good commuter rails and good transportation. Um, And I think people are also, you know, love their cars, um, but you can see that it's very much transitioning to public transportation. Uh, some people who are very Boston marathon focused will actually run to work and run back. And that is a good, you know, 15 miles. So I, they use it for training. Boston marathon goes straight through uh, our area on Commonwealth Avenue right here in Newton. I can tell you how many times we got, we can just walk straight up, cheer people on. Um, lose my voice because I'm there for like two hours and so impressed with that. So um, 
but that's probably a little segue to the the commute but um it is very it's not as bad as new york but it's definitely timely if you know you go at a certain time and uh then yeah and you have a lot of public transportation like the big cities have you know, here yeah. in Harrisburg. We've, yeah. We got some bus systems and things, but nobody really, we're not known for our public transportation system. Most people drive oh, places yeah, and no, we, everywhere not. has parking lots and whatnot. So um, it makes sense that the public transportation will be utilized a lot. Do you have easy passes and toll roads? If you do get on a highway to go somewhere yeah. a little bit further away or something, do you have easy passes? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you have any bridge tolls or anything? Are there bridges at all? You have a lot yeah, of bridges, bridges. you're right There's, next to the uh, water. No, no bridge tolls like in, like in New York, no. And then let's talk about, oh, I hit edit instead of bring up. There it is, there we go. All right, so where are people working? Are they working, uh, what do you got? You're the state capital there, so obviously you have the state government there that keeps it somewhat steady, like here in Harrisburg and Albany, New York, and some others that I've talked to. It's kind of even Steven, even if there's ups and downs, not perfectly even Steven, but um, keeps it a little bit steady. Uh, what else is there other than the state government that employs people? Yeah, so this area uh, attracts uh, mostly biotech uh, industries really big here. And so people move from other countries to, to, to be part of that, start their, um, you know, uh, set up a drug uh, here that is uh, getting a lot of MIT or Harvard grads that come in and, and help build that up. There's a lot of that. Uh, financial services is, is a big one too. And let's see, so we have biotech, financial services. Um, yeah, I would say those are basically the two ones. Because the schools here are very attractive, like Harvard, Yale, MIT, so you do get a lot of international uh, students and they end up staying here. So um, I would say people move here for education as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's tons of colleges, as do we here. And I don't know if the state, and Albany does too, a lot of the state capitals tend to have a lot of colleges centered around them. I don't know if there's a reason for that, but I was gonna bring that up. So you've got the education, you've got the state government there, uh, you've got biotech and finance, um, and then any military? Um. I mean, coming from D.C., I would say no, um, but there is a small presence there. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. huge. Compared there. to down here around, even we get the overflow. We're a big, actually, we have tons of military. Um, but yeah, so compared to there, probably not much. Yeah. And then what about medical? You got hospitals, obviously, oh, that's growing course. everywhere, yes, but medical's course. a big medical employer as well. Yes. Um, Huge community, obviously best um, hospitals as well. Brigham, Brigham Young and Beth Israel, um, Boston Medical, Boston Children's. It's huge, uh, absolutely. And they come and they do internships and then they just stay as well. I mean, so my joke is in DC, every other house, every other person you met was an attorney. So you always had to like mind your P's and Q's and you had to also make it very clear which side of the aisle you were on so you knew what kind of conversations to have here every other house is a doctor or a therapist there's more therapists in in this area and i'm again i'm outside of boston and newton there is a huge attraction for people who are looking you know who had just either finished their internship and now they're doctors and they want more space they have kids or ready to grow a family so there there's a huge um 
community of doctors and surgeons and like I said, therapists, it's just like on every other corner. It's amazing. So if you need someone, there's usually someone on your street and they're super friendly to offer advice or move you, you know, share a referral. So again, it's great. So if you got mental health issues, Boston might be a great place for you to go. What about you? Yeah. But what if it's all therapists, all the therapists go there now they're giving each other therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I found that lots of therapists I've met are kind of the crazy ones themselves <laughs> a lot of the times, but we won't get into that. So other employers, so you got all the major ones. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? Do you have any uh, big brands that came out of Boston that people would think of any oh, Boston big beans? Is it, am I thinking right? Yes, yes, yes. New Balance is a big one here. Um, and let's see. Converse just set up their big flagship here. Uh, so that's been that's been a really good new addition. So yeah, oh, I mean, ports. That's what I was gonna ask. Ports. You're right there. There's gotta be a port somewhere that's gotta employ people, container ships, any of that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so again, going back to the seaport area, that's that's been a huge change and attraction there. A lot of warehouses changing over. East Boston, my goodness, completely exploded. And we're also right on the water. Um, that that area has been really interesting to follow and see what's been going on there. It's been a huge attraction. And um, it's interesting because you can, you're kind of near the airport and people just are not even bothered by that, you know? So the, the noise level is not bad and people just love the, the views because you're literally on the other side of Boston. Um, from the water. So you can see from that area over into the city. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then you touched on the airport. So we'll start there as far as what to do. So if you're trying to get out of Boston, we're going to talk more about what you can do in Boston. But if you wanted to get out of Boston and fly somewhere, uh, Boston has its own international airport. Yeah, it has its own international airport, its own international terminal. Um, you, JetBlue is obviously the big carrier here, United as well, but you can go pretty much anywhere from JetBlue to any country. Well, pretty much the Caribbean is a huge one here. Um, so, uh, yeah, we went to Switzerland a couple of years ago to visit my husband's family. They live in the uh, Zurich area and Swiss air, you can just go straight there. Um, so a lot of direct flights to Europe for sure. And then are there any small airports, like for those people, private jets, little four-seater Cessnas, all that kind of stuff? Are there smaller ones around too? Yeah, um, I would say there's, yeah, so people will probably go to province uh, in Rhode Island to, to get uh, flights there as well. I'm trying to think of other ones. There's obviously a small airport on Cape Cod. Um, and they might just go out of... Boston too, I guess. I don't yeah. know if they have to. Yeah. I don't know if that's a rule that Cessnas had to go. I have to go out of some. No, if no. If I was in a little Cessna, I don't think I would want to take off at the. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Major. Yeah. yeah. I'm like a bird up there. They can't even see me or anything. So, what is there to do in Boston? Um, oh. Let's start with food. You said you're a foodie, so I gotta know uh, what kind of food. You said Mexican food. Maybe shout out your favorite Mexican place, or if there's a couple places, or whatever you want to say about well, food. Uh, Mexican is probably not their forte, uh, but we, we do have one or two spots that has met our criteria because we're pretty particular being from Texas. Um, so one of the places we love is called Bar Taco. I think they have a couple locations. We tend to like the seaport area. Um, 
we kind of make a day out of it. Uh, and we love walking along the harbor and the wharf area. Um, is it kind of like, sorry, is it kind of like, uh, what's that in Baltimore? Isn't there like a, yeah, you know, um, there's like a port there. I forget what it's yeah, called. There's a name for it, but there's like yes, a, what I'm you're describing in Baltimore that. too. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I'm blanking on that. Hmm. Interesting. Fells yeah. point. Uh, yes, that's, yeah, that sounds right. Maybe yeah, not. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I relate it to like Georgetown in DC. So you've got, um, you, you have boats that go by, you can dock your boat. Um, there's residential real estate right there that overlooks the water. And then you have a ton of restaurants and eateries. It's very walkable. And, um, yeah, that's probably what, if, if I would recommend people, uh, to move when they move to Boston, I would really try and figure out if they want to be near the water. That that's an area that I would recommend. So gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then sports. What about sports? You got sports up there, Red Sox, obviously, and all the other stuff. And you guys are hardcore hard about your sports, kind of like Philly. I don't know who's more hardcore about their sports. Philly will overturn your car, the team bus, and all that stuff if they lose. So yeah. even if they only win by like a little bit, they might be pissed off and do stuff. So uh, tell us about the sports teams up there. So you have hockey, the Bruins here are really, um, you know, the other thing about here is you have your diehards for different, um, different games, right? For, uh, so you've got your Bruins fans, you've got your Celtics fans, your uh, New England Patriots, and uh, obviously your Red Sox. So uh, I think every other person that I've met here has, um, you know, like, you know, year round tickets and they usually buy it in groups because they're, they're just that sought after. Um, yeah. So I would say for us, it's probably the Red Sox. Why? Gotcha. Because it's more of a winter, it's more of a summer sport to be honest. <laughs> and we love going to the stadium and it's not very far from here. You can actually take the Metro. You can actually trade. Yeah. So and is Red Sox Stadium, is that where you would go to see uh, a big concert? Like, yeah, Fenway. I don't know, Taylor Swift or whoever packs stadiums these days. Is that where uh, you would go? Um, I don't know if Taylor Swift would go to Fenway. I think they would uh, go to TD Garden, which is where the Celtics play. And um, Maroon 5 would be at Fenway. I think they did like a small, uh, you know, uh, thing there. Fenway is actually really interesting. That whole area is also very sought after. They have like uh, something called timeout market and you can go ice skating uh, as well in the winter there. They have all these different little eateries. That area is super attractive for actually a lot of the students who come here for college. So, um, and obviously Boston's lobster rolls is huge fish, uh, North End, which is kind of like little Italy. You have to say lobster. Lifestyle, right. yeah. <laughs> well, and and don't even get me started on all the uh, the different slang and things that uh, special words and the accent. Um, wicked smart, which I'm probably not going to ever do it justice. <laughs> when you talk to people outside of the area, obviously I'm not getting much of a Boston accent or, or any isms or anything really. But when you talk to other people that have heavy Boston accents and isms and whatnot, does it come out of you a little bit more? Um, no, 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then what about uh, like festivals and fireworks and arts fests and all these, I call them pop-up festivals or whatever you want to call them. Do you have all that kind of stuff in the city yeah, proper? Absolutely. And then do you also have them in the suburbs, like in Newton and that kind of place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is um, an Esplanada, which is along the water that kind of connects Cambridge and uh, Back Bay. And um, I can't remember the name of it. It's, um, I'll have to come of it. It's like an amphitheater at, at, at one point. I can't remember the name of it right now. And uh, you can watch the fireworks there. They have outdoor concerts. Uh, it's kind of like a big, big park area. Um, we have Boston Commons, which is in the Back Bay area. And that's just like a, a big park. People are definitely, that's like a destination landmark. Um, you can feed the ducks there. Of course, you can bring your dogs. There's all kinds of, you know, you can do yoga. There's all kinds of things. Seaport again, just going back to that, they have like a lot of green spaces there and you can go there for the fireworks. Matter of fact, one of my favorite restaurants is Devo, Davios. And you can sit inside and you can see the fireworks right over the water. And um, yeah, super great there. As far as Newton goes, um, one of the things that I really love, and my daughter is like a big artist, so they do like what they call um, open open art at like Newton open, open Studios. And there's a lot of very talented people who are artists here from pottery to jewelry to paintings. And um, that's usually in April, and so that that's a big that's a big attraction for here. And what about museums? There's off, obviously a ton of history up there. Um, are there museums to go along with all the history? Oh yeah, for sure. You have the Boston Fine Arts. Um, you have the, the the most charming one that I've been to is the Isabella Stewart uh, Garden, and uh, she was quite an art collector, sort of ahead of her time. Uh, bringing in lots of art from Italy. And so when you go there, it's, it kind of feels like you're in her home. Uh, so yeah. And then there's just lots of like historical homes that have been turned into museums uh, in and around Newton, but history, incredible. Uh, you have the Freedom Trail, of course, that you can walk through all of Boston and you get to stop in different little areas and you you know they have all these like little plaques along the way so you can learn about a lot about uh, the history and um paul revere's house is in north end uh there's oh just, yeah yep paul revere so that's where his ride was boston yes so he he yes oh he, i heard a story about this did you know he went he went south or he went some direction and there was another person um who went the other direction. So there were two people that did what he did, but he was the one that got all the credit for it because he was super involved in the community. It was somebody doing a speech about making yourself known or something. And he was like, did you ever yeah. hear about so-and-so? I don't even remember the name and I just heard it yesterday. Uh, but go ahead. So Paul Revere was there and you can see his house. Yes. Um, the old church in North End is actually um, a, a pretty big landmark. Um, it, there's just all these really incredible historical tours. I, I highly recommend doing the Freedom Trail. Just plan to spend an entire day doing it and don't choose the hottest day in the summer to do it. <laughs> Unless you're a Floridian like lots of our friends yeah. are and they seem to hate the cold. So uh, maybe you want to pick the hottest day of the summer. Maybe yeah, you could exactly. Do it, For me, being from Texas, there's really no hot day here. So. Yeah, there you go. And then what about a driving vacation? If you uh, here, 
Jersey Shore is pretty much the go-to place. We go other places too, but the Jersey Shore is probably the most frequented place for a driving vacation here in central Pennsylvania. So up there, if you were driving, uh, what would be the go-to vacation? Or if there's multiple ones, where would you go for a driving vacation? Um, so a driving vacation, I would- A drive to me. vacation, not yeah, a, a would, vacation where drive, you're constantly driving. Drive <laughs> yeah, for me, Maine, and our family loves to go there, uh, Northeast, Northeast Harbor, um, you know, Portland is like an hour and a half from here. So if you're a foodie, again, like us, then you can make a, that a, a weekend destination uh, for sure. Uh, so when I'm thinking of driving, I and I think about like a really nice summer vacation for me, it would be Maine. Yeah. Nice. I'm with you there. I, it's on my list to go up to Maine. That's the end point of the Appalachian Trail. Could be the start, too, I suppose. You could do it either way. But um, there's a hundred mile wilderness or something. It's supposed to be the most remote section of the Appalachian Trail. And obviously, anybody that's been to Maine knows that it's pretty awesome if you like outdoor stuff. So oh, I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah. Um, and now let's talk about what everybody wants to know. If they're moving up to Boston or over or down to Boston, wherever you're coming from, what are you going to get for the money? Uh, obviously, it's a huge city and you uh, touched on the demand there and the growing demand. So I'm guessing it costs a little bit more than us here in central Pennsylvania. Um, so you can compare it to us. We're probably at about 300,000 to get that. I'd say kind of the starter American dream home for that. You're probably getting a two story, uh, most likely a two car garage still at that price point, probably a 0.2 acre and a, a like 60s oh. to 80s built neighborhood in a suburb. Um, so fairly decent here, although it used to be 250 would maybe get you that a year or two ago. Um, so it has gone up a good 20% or so um, in the last couple of years. But 300 is what kind of our entry point to that American dream detached home. So how does that compare to up there? Uh, definitely not that price point, uh, much, much higher. Um, so if you wanted, you can buy a condo for 800,000 in Boston, a two bedroom. You can buy it also in Brookline, uh, Arlington, which is right outside Boston. Uh, I would say- How big would that condo be for 800 grand? Is that a one bedroom, two bedroom efficiency? Yeah, it's a two bed, you can get a two bedroom. I mean, definitely one bedrooms in these new builds, right? So if you're down in Seaport uh, or over in Seaport, I, that's barely a price, you know, really basic, right? So that one would probably be more of a one bedroom. Um, again, as you get further out into the city, like I said, there's a, a lot of different neighborhoods you can uh, get get more or yeah, get more for your buck. Um, parking is pretty much never included. So you could add a, a lot more on for that, uh, for sure. So uh, again, like most cities, limited parking is uh, is always a concern. And if you head out to Metro West, which is pretty much where I'm at in the greater Boston area, 800,000 is, I wouldn't even, I would say it, it is not uh, common. Uh, if you take just Newton and Wellesley, which is, you know, two of the fastest growing cities outside of Boston, I would say it's probably more like one over a million dollars. Um, and, and many of those are already done, but as with most people, they want to add their own, you know, style and customize it however they like. So 
Yeah. So in the city proper, obviously, there's a lot of old real estate, 1800s, 1900s, maybe even some 17 or 16, maybe some even older stuff. But um, so is all that stuff redone at this point? Are there still any that you could get cheap and re cheap uh, quotes around that and redo? Or has everything been renovated at this point? Oh, no, you you there's still there's still properties to be found. Uh, as you already know, from real estate, hidden properties do exist. Um, and everyone is looking for one because obviously we have a well, there's low inventory. And um, but yeah, I would say the majority of people who are living in the city are um, millennials and uh, a lot of people from our area who uh, have lived in their homes for a long time and they're ready to downsize and they want, you know, full service buildings and that sort of thing. So obviously they're updated, they're new, they're moving ready. Um, in, in our area, you have a variety of style of homes from Victorian to Tudors to ranch style living and, um, yeah, and then you've got a lot of the the new built craft style homes. So, yep. And the the older homes in the city, do people also tear them down and put up a whole new structure or a high rise or anything um, like that? Or is I'm I'm guessing some of the historic stuff is preserved and you can't do anything with. Um, but I would guess also that if people could, they'd prefer to knock it down and throw up something twice as big to sell more condos or whatever. So what's can you tear well, down there's, stuff? Um, there's a lot of brownstones. Uh, so if you take like South End or Back Bay, there's a lot of brownstones, right? And so some people will take um, take a home and subdivide it into condos uh, if that's doable. Obviously, it's a longer process and much more money. Uh, but I would say they preserve a lot unless you're building a whole new building, which is like in the, in this, in like East, East Boston or in uh, seaport, you kind of, they're very particular about keeping um, a lot of the historical facade. So we have a new mayor uh, right now um, and uh, a new woman mayor and her focus is a lot more on affordable housing and that can be you know construed in a lot of different ways so development is is taking a different uh is going to look a little bit different this year so but in in the suburbs uh, a lot of houses are, are are being you know renovated and completely rebuilt for i mean it's a modern living right so and then what about HOAs out in the suburbs, these new construction developments? Do you have HOAs? And then to what extent do you have HOAs? Are you gated with pools and golf courses and restaurants and daycares and all that stuff? We don't have any of that kind of stuff. Well, we have one or two and they're becoming a little bit more common. Uh, definitely no gates. We don't have any fences around anything here. No, but, we don't um, have gates. Uh, we don't have gates. And uh, there's not a really a lot of gated communities where I'm at. Um, and... Which means they don't have amenities like golf courses and all that stuff? Because I feel like no, that's why they put the... I never understood the fences and the gates. Who you try to... Is there that much crime that you have to keep people out? And then somebody said, no. well, it's all the amenities. They're trying to keep people away from the parks and all this stuff that's supposed to be just for the neighborhood. So... Um, no, there's... So there's golf courses here. They're mostly um, membership-based. So uh, you can have access for that. They do have a community pool in Newton. Um there's community centers that have pool access and they'll open up uh, for, the, for the summer. 
I don't know if you realize this during COVID, there was a trend where people would rent out. You could come for like a day and swim in people's pools. Uh, so you could, you don't have to access inside. You just let people use your um, pool. You pay a small fee. And that was just something that was really incredible. So uh, regardless of the weather, we do have pools and um, yeah. And people really in enjoy that as well. So, but yeah, there's, um, Country clubs uh, is really big out here as well, and uh, lots of parks and green space. So, yeah, lots to take advantage of. And then a little bit of a segue there. My next question was going to be, what if somebody wants, like, a bunch of land? They want to live on 5, 10 acres, 20 an acre or anything a little bit bigger than your typical lot. Um, somebody wants wooded or a farm or something. Can you still get that? How far outside of Boston would you have to go to get something like that? So one area I would particularly focus on with that question is Sudbury, S-U-D-B-U-R-Y, B-U-R-Y. And um, it's it's much more rural and you can get several acres. Um, people also have horse farms there. And uh, again, uh, as a result of COVID, people moved out and they wanted more space. And so that that's an area where there hasn't been a huge change in development. And so they, they tend to keep like a lot of its original character and style that area has really boomed a lot so that's probably let's see that's probably a 30 minute drive from the city not bad yeah yeah and then what about the luxury market obviously you said well your entry point the 800 to the million is that's pretty much our, our luxury probably starts at we used to say 500,000. Now I would, I would personally say seven or 800, probably, um, maybe even a million, but your entry level is that our luxury price. So what would you define as luxury? What price point? And then what type of property is that luxury property? Um, so for me, luxury is not just a price point. It's also the service that you give. And, uh, and I would say that, if you um, if you live in the city, luxury can represent um, a specific location in a specific neighborhood, and it could be parking is is a luxury, right? Because there's a, sh a shortage of that, and um, obviously certain streets will uh, command a, a higher price point from anywhere from I would say two million up to eight million. You know, so, and these are just full on, they're super wide houses, probably four or five different levels. You, you know what I mean? So it's, it's incredible. Um, as far as the suburbs go in the Metro West area, if you take my city alone, Newton, which is like six mile by six miles, it has 13 villages. You it's, they're all very unique and again, different price points. So, uh, yeah, I would say probably 2 million is probably where i would say luxury uh it becomes more of a luxury um and makes it more and then are there condos in these new high-rise buildings are there penthouses that are you know you got the the one oh. bedroom 800 one are there ones that are oh yeah a million two million and sky's the limit i guess depending on how three you furnish it and finish it three million uh for the be... base price some of them and how many square feet would something like that be uh, so I, again, well, it could be anywhere between, you know, 2,400 up to maybe 2,800. Yeah. Enough yeah. space. 
Not yeah. a ton, but yeah. enough. Three How much space can a single human body take up at any given point in time? I never understood why people need 10,000 square foot houses. <laughs> what are you doing in this house? <laughs> you better be entertaining a lot or something. But, uh, but I'll sell it to you all day long at the same time. So anything else you want to say about what people can get for the money there? Um, I just think it's very much um, depending on your lifestyle. Do you want to walk to certain places? Uh, again, people are drawn to that. You have your commuter rail. Um, I think that uh, in general, the small towns like the one here in Newton, each one has like its own characteristic, its own style. And I think people are attracted to those neighborhoods, those townships. That's the other thing. It's like when you get out of the city of Boston, it's a township. So uh, if you take Newton, for example, that's a city, but then inside that is a neighborhood and you can actually, you know, say you're from that neighborhood and you can actually put it on your envelope when you send a letter. So you don't just have to say Newton. That was one of the hardest things for us to understand when we first got here because each town has its own mayor, has its own representatives, and it can be very different from, you know, less than a mile away if you change neighborhoods. So I would just say that it's all depends on the lifestyle that you want. And again, doctors will want to move out of the city in order to live in New Hampshire because they want a different style of life on the weekends. And they'll drive an hour from New Hampshire just to, you know, to have that. So, yeah. yeah. And people can obviously always reach out to you or someone up there to give them a nice tour. Maybe they rent for a while or something, figure out exactly where they want to be and which township uh, speaks to them. And we're a Commonwealth here also, and we have townships and all that kind of stuff too. So we can relate to all these tiny little pockets of different, different rules. Oh, also, you got to check absolutely. just because you could do Airbnb a mile down the road. Doesn't mean you can do Airbnb down here. Um, so yeah, but hook up with Catherine or somebody like that. Uh, if you need to figure out where exactly you need yeah, to move. We work with a lot of referrals and um, agent to agent referrals has been a huge part of my business. Relocation obviously is, is very big here. Um, our feeder markets are coming from actually interesting enough, California, uh, definitely DC is, is a huge attraction. Florida, of course, you have the snowbirds uh, that want to go back and forth. And so, yeah. And I'm happy so some of those them. snowbird people, if they're retired, they get two houses. They get a, a up north house that they go to in the summer when it's hot to enjoy all the lushness in the woods and all the stuff that we get up here. And then they go down there in the winter to stay warm and never live anywhere full time, I guess. Uh, all right. Our last question, uh, which has nothing to do with real estate or Boston or anything, but does have to do with you. If you okay. could do anything else other than sell real estate, what would you do? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I'm a traveler at heart. I would love to do, um, I would love to do travel videos, uh, and go around to different parts of the world and share stories, do videos about that. Of course, um, follow, um, people. I love the essence of going to a new place and meeting the locals. I just, I would love to make my entire life just traveling around and um, getting a real essence and sharing that with the world. So, um, and a huge part of who I am is philanthropy and I love the community and giving back. So, um, yeah. If, if Any nonprofit you want to shout out? Do you have a pet nonprofit you want to shout out before we close it out? 
Um, well, there's many, but I would just say because I'm here and I'm super local focused, um, I do a lot of community work with uh, Community Cooks, which is very family-based. We can uh, make meals at home and deliver it. Uh, and we love doing that. Our kids are big cooks. That's one. And the other one is called Newton Food Pantry. I deliver food uh, every Wednesday to those that are in need in my community. And of course, uh, there's a, a fairly large senior community area. So I deliver food for them. And uh, that that's, yeah, I'm super excited about both of them. And again, uh, mostly Brookline, Chestnut Hill, Newton area. So that's, that's a big one. Yeah. Awesome. You and my yeah. dad would get along. He's been working with the uh, Wheels on Wheels here locally forever, it seems like. Um, and I like to volunteer too. I don't do the Meals on Wheels, but I've often thought I'd like to do, I should do Meals on Wheels with my dad. It'd be a nice kind of fun bonding time to drive around and deliver meals. Yeah, there was an organization that was started here again during COVID um, called Feed the Fight and uh, bringing food to um, healthcare workers, hospitals was a big effort that came out of that. And then Newton Neighbors helping Newton Neighbors. Again, just a Facebook group that just came on blew up and was really helpful anybody and everybody whatever the whatever the need was there was always someone there that's the other thing i would say in general like boston kind of has a i think the world sees boston as um, sort of a harsh area maybe due to the weather but they're very giving people and it's been really good to connect with and hear a lot about their efforts because they they do generally want to give back yeah. So if you're on Facebook, hit up that Facebook group. What's you Newton Neighbors? Newton Neighbors? Is that what it is? Newton Neighbors helping Newton Neighbors. There's also, um, you can just go to my Instagram, Catherine Cranenberg Realtor, and I, I post a lot of stuff there around uh, the outreach that I do. And yeah. And I'll link to your Instagram so everybody can check that in the description, up or down, or wherever you're watching or listening on. Uh, how about you say all your information, your phone number, email, and website out loud so anybody that might be listening to this on audio can jot it down quick. Sure. Uh, so my website is my name, Catherine Cranenberg, and my email is Boston at gmail.com. And I still kept my DC number. It's like become part of my brand. So it's 703-307-1024. And I do a lot in the DMs in Facebook, which you can find me there and a lot in Instagram, which is another place how you and I met. The power yeah. of social media. <laughs> totally. It's, it's pretty fantastic. I've met a lot of people over the last year or two and Clubhouse has been a, a big reason for that too. So reach out to Catherine if you need anything up in Boston or contact me if you need to hook up with any agent around the country or around the globe, whether you're buying or selling in Harrisburg uh, or central Pennsylvania or anywhere, like I said, around the world. Uh, call me, text me, email me, throw a rock through my window, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do. We still need inventory pretty bad. I didn't ask you that. You still need inventory, right? Did you say oh, that? Oh yeah, we still need inventory. And um, I would say we're probably at a month's uh, supply right now. And so the, the challenges with any market is where are they gonna go? And so, yeah. So if you got a house to sell and you don't need to buy one, that's the best scenario you're in. Or if you have an investment that you wanna liquidate or something, that's the best yeah, scenario absolutely. to be in right now, I think. So and reach out to me or re go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say a lot of people um, just decided not to return to Boston. And so there are, you know, that investment is, you know, that's what that's what's been coming on the market more and more because people are like, well, I'm just going to do this now. 
or they move to the Cape and their house, you know, that they've lived in forever. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a really interesting area. I highly recommend it to, you, you know, for anyone who wants um, a smaller international city, this is a great place to be. Nice. So reach out to Catherine and uh, hit up, what'd you say? Bar Taco. I wrote that down and I, it's in my head for some reason. And I wanted to ask, no, I'm not going to ask about it. It's a bar of tacos. Is that why it's called Bar Taco? <laughs> yeah. Um, it Well, it's a national uh, restaurant, but if we want to stick to my favorite food, that was definitely one of them. Um, but we have a an, an amazing uh, I would, seafood restaurant that we love in North End called Mare. And it's definitely one of our favorites among many. There's just, you, you can't just choose one food here. Boston is such a food place. We love it. We haven't had a bad meal. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good uh, resounding yes to is the food good there? And you got to get the lobster if you're up there because obviously lobster. everybody knows they got lobster up there. Uh, so hit up Kat or myself if you need to move up there or just uh, vacation up there. Thanks for watching yep. and listening. Thank you, Kat, for being here and say goodbye to everybody. Yep. Bye. Have a great day. See you, everybody.